So excited for this one. This is a conversation with my dad, Eric Ferris. Pardon me? You taped The Grateful Dead, correct? I taped The Grateful Dead back in the day. And what's the day for you? The day for me would have been sometime around either spring or fall of 1980 until sometime in 83. And that was all taping action or was that just attending dead shows? Well, I attended... Um, my first show, I didn't know about taping, I think. And then I soon learned about taping and I asked for a tape deck for Christmas and I got it. And then I started taping. Nice. A lot. What was your favorite part about taping? Well, I don't know if I looked forward to this or not, but the method that I used was... I had an 11-foot-tall telescoping mic stand, and I taped my Nakamichi 300 shotgun mics to the mic stand, and then I stuck it in my pant leg, and I always wore baggy khakis, and then I had a leg brace that looked like I had broken my leg in a ski accident, and I, I strapped that around my leg and then I stuck my tape deck which was a Sony D5 tape deck I think it was supposed to be state-of-the-art or something back in the day and I stuck it down the front of my pants and then I limped into the shows on crutches and so I think my favorite part would have been that 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 (laughs) preparation of getting in and getting past security because security didn't know they just thought I was injured and so they would let me in and then once you were in you would go behind the soundboard and set up your stuff and once you were inside nobody seemed to care so I've heard that story many times growing up and love it but have always wondered how you got there did you go to a show where you were denied entry because of equipment or was that from the get-go it was known that you had to like sneak sneak it in I think it was known I never I never got stopped one time they moved police barricades uh, for me because I was injured and so it made getting into the show even easier Um, once your mom my wife and I went to a show on our honeymoon at Alpine Valley in East Troy, Wisconsin, and it would have been in either June or July of 1984, and she thought there was going to be rain, so we got to the ticket point, and she had an umbrella, and security made her go back to the car, but they let me in, and I was not going to risk having to go through a second time so I went on in and she took the umbrella back to the car (laughs) and that set the tone for now (laughs) now 39 years of marriage almost 40 that's fine yes so she went with you how many of the shows that you went to Mm, six eight ten I can't remember 10 out out of what 40 I always say 41 is how many I think I saw and then you taped something I 20, do know, I yeah I don't 25. know I gave them all to you I think yeah, yeah. so you have all of my tapes and um 
I do not remember how many I attended. So, I mean, how many I taped. But you went to Grateful Dead and JGB. And I saw what else? I saw Jerry Garcia Band a few times and taped them a few times, and hmm, I don't remember if there were other bands. Well, I would tape a bluegrass band here or there with permission. Cool, like or, local regional stuff regional yes cool was jerry band more fun than grateful dead shows at points or do you remember my recollection is that they were in theaters like i think i saw him in upper darby pennsylvania which was near philadelphia i think and that was a theater setting I want to say bassist maybe was John Kahn. Yeah, it would have been. Okay. And, um, but I also saw Jerry Garcia band at the University of Maryland in a field house. And I do not know from whom we bought the backstage passes, but it turned out that the backstage passes were counterfeit. (laughs) Yet, mine got me in to the, uh, to the venue, to the, I think it was a, it was like a field house for basketball, maybe. And by the time one of my friends named Kurt got to security, they, the ticket takers, they had been advised that these backstage passes were phony and he was uh he was from New Jersey from near Philadelphia and he when as soon as he realized that he ran past them and escaped into the crowd so he could see the show that was a funny moment were you always prepared going into a show or did you ever do the the miracle thing or go just for the hang and then attend the show if you got a ticket never went for the hang you always had a ticket had a ticket okay cool or i think maybe back then getting a ticket wasn't quite as difficult as people in more modern times might have experienced what was it 30 five dollars i want to say we would pay eight or ten dollars wow yeah in the 80s even yeah my first show was in greensboro north carolina and i think it was in 1980 and i just started at davidson college and there was a bunch of deadhead friends there and they told me that i needed to go i think and so i went and i guess i got hooked and um, but I want to say we would pay eight or ten dollars. I have all my ticket stubs. You do. I will give those to you if That's you would cool. like them. Yeah, I'd love to see them. Okay. Take pictures. Okay. What was um, what was the lot like back in the day? And did you participate in any like? Is, did you trade tapes on the lot, or was that more a college roommates? Because your deadhead click was your college roommates. Deadhead right? click was college roommates. We would tape. I guess it, I would tape. Nobody else was a tape. Maybe my friend Joel had a D6. I can't remember. It was a smaller version of the cassettes that we used at the time. And, but when we would get back to uh, college, I had an NAD 6020, maybe. Tape deck. Tape deck. I had a JVC something 
tape deck that I really liked. I had a Nakamichi 480Z tape deck that always played just a little bit fast, yeah, but good. if you recorded on that and played on that, it would that's be the good. same. And then I had my Sony D5. And so my master tape was the one that I had recorded at the show, and I would play it on the Sony D5 because it had a unique play speed. Okay. So its play speed would match if you would match what I had recorded it on. Wow. And then we would hook up, I guess you call it daisy chain, but we would have three tape decks off of mine so I could make all of my friends' tapes. And we always used Maxell or Maxell XL2s, maybe, or TDKs. I think we also used TDKs, and I think those were both well-regarded brands of cassette tapes at the time. What was labeling stuff? Like your labels are very meticulously done. My labels are very pretty. Yeah, gorgeous. And they're, and they're all handwritten. Was that a big part of it for you was like organizing the the collection? Like what kept you going and taping another show? Well, I enjoyed, I, I probably enjoyed the process. Um, I definitely enjoyed the music but was always very, very quiet because I was standing at the foot of an 11-foot-tall mic stand with the Nakamichi 300 shotgun mics. And I always... Most everybody else around you, too, right? Did they have Everybody around me. I think Nakamichi, and there was a Sennheiser, maybe a Sennheiser 421 was a brand of microphone that people used. Um, Jerry and mic'd his guitar cabs with that. With a Sennheiser 421? 421, yeah. Okay. And I don't remember. There were probably some people that used a cardioid mic. I used a shotgun mic because it was very directional, aimed at the speakers. And so you got far less crowd noise. Yeah. And I always wanted, I, and I think most of the tapers were very, very respectful of noise behind the soundboard and so nobody was behind the soundboard taping was talking just nobody did and if you did talk you stuck your mouth right next to the ear of the person that you were trying to talk to so you wouldn't be heard on your cassette tape did you have any appreciation for the quote-unquote lore of the band or know that Dan Healy was cool to tapers and would let you patch into the board. It, like it was that a, a known thing or did you just kind of know it for being a great band that you liked and you liked I, Jerry and you liked the, the latter. Yeah. I, I had no contact with anybody at the soundboard. I, I never actually, well, I should say most of the time I never saw the band because I was behind, right there, I'm behind right? the soundboard, okay. so yeah. I I knew it was more important for me to get a good cassette tape yeah. than it was to lay eyes on the band. And so the show itself, a good show for you is like I had a good experience recording this show. It was a quiet show and it sounded really good, and it's going to be fun to listen back to. 
Yes, and the music was awesome. Yeah, like I was the music. Yeah. totally into the music. Um, my recollection is of the folks who traveled with me, one of whom was named Jeff, one of whom was named Kurt, and a lady named Lynn who recently passed away was an awesome person. Um, they would not typically hang out with the tapers they would go be more a part of the scene of the whole of the whole show and not such a limited experience as was mine (laughs) but i probably would have gone into overload if i had been exposed to too much of it so that's cool taping was probably a good uh, controlled environment controlled environment you. for the autistic Eric I, I know I have to put my like when I went to see Sam Grisman I had to bring a camera but I have to listen through action uh-huh. like there has to be an activity associated sometimes mm-hmm. I would you ever dance in the crowd like was that a oh thing? well I always danced I, I know you I danced did. but and but, and my dancing consisted of feet my feet were planted and I bent forward and backwards at the waist. I probably didn't bend too far backwards, but that's fine. definitely bent forward and eyes were, I guess my attention was very much on my sound levels yeah, on my tape deck. You check meters initially. You're like, I like listening to tapes and you hear, even on yours, you hear everybody's tapes, everybody dialing in their their gain stage yes we'd go a little bit louder a little bit quieter until you got settled in and it's like generally the first song you'll hear like things are getting set and then maybe phil throws something in and and all the tapers have to react because they just all everybody watched their meters our meters peaked yeah (laughs) okay and i think i ran i i i was never a great student of this. Yeah, I could, where did you learn? I didn't learn. Up? I just did it, and I, just I, it I ran my meters pretty low. I did not yeah. like things but peaking because like, I thought that would exceed the limit of yeah. the ability of the cassette tape itself to capture the sound and would cause distortion. Yeah. So I did not set my levels high. That's really good intuition. Okay, was like, that right? Yeah, that's exactly. Oh. I mean, other than something called the noise floor on a tape deck, which is if you're recording at such a low volume, the noise of the tape itself is going to eventually exceed the volume of the recorded sound. Okay. So, so there's a happy medium between you don't want to distort. Nowadays, you can always take out that noise floor with digital tools. So you recorded your tapes at really nice places. And we had something called Dolby. Do they still have Dolby? Yeah, but what but was I it did back not, in your day? Because I think I don't know. It's it like some now. hiss suppression uh, yeah, 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 or something. Yeah, noise. Uh, they came out with it. It's a switch on your Nakamichi. If I'm no, it's a switch on the Sony D5 tape deck. Sorry, that's what I meant to okay. say. Yeah, it's a and switch. And I the did Sony. not use Dolby. I never did like. But I that's never. even better because you're like not using the enhancement that was okay. pro. It's probably fine, but you're you weren't using something that was distorting it anyway. You, in, and I anyway. thought it wasn't as pure for that's some what, reason. You're like getting the most, the least biased. Okay. Recording flavor. That's cool. But, so that was my, um, my, uh, so I didn't use Dolby. I'd set my levels relatively low. I haven't thought about that in 30 years for, or 40 years <laughs> now. Awesome. It's been about 40 years. I liked listening to the few tapes I have put in here and played back and transferred. 
it was really cool for me to see because I was like, wow, really well recorded. You couldn't help the acoustics sometimes. Except once I was at uh, um, East Rutherford, New Jersey, (laughs) at Brendan Byrne Arena, and Stephen Stills showed up, and my tickets were crap, and they were behind the stage, and I didn't even, I don't like ever remember. Stage or like directly No, behind. it was behind the stage. Oh my God. And the sound was horrible. And it, I think it is my most embarrassing tape <laughs> I heard quality. it. It's, it's not, it's not the best, but it's not the worst ever. Okay. It's just, it, you can tell it's it not was, your fault. It was it's, my worst. It's just, you right. recorded something behind a stage. That's now, I think I went so. to see The Grateful Dead in Jamaica in 1982. Yeah at the Bob Marley World Music Festival. And I think Bob Marley, would he have been dead in 1982? Because I think it was, I think Rita Marley and the Wailers played. And so I think he was dead. You can look that up. But um, I went with college friend. 81. So yeah. He died in 81. Okay. So the Bob Marley World Music Festival, I think the first one was 1982. And I went with Kurt and Dave and I think we all shared a hotel room and the event would start at seven at night and the event would stop at seven in the morning and then we would go back to our hotel and sleep most of the day and I think I ate goat because they served goat they didn't have like the modern day food trucks and we were in Jamaica and I got to watch a bearded man next to me smoke the biggest joint i'd ever seen and he did it through his nose he'd close (laughs) one nostril and he'd shove the part that a person would put in their mouth he'd shove it up his nostril close the other nostril and breathe in oh my and so that was exciting and then uh skeeter davis played there think bobby and the midnights played um grateful dead Dead is the only reason i went was because the grateful dead were playing and i thought it would be cool to be in jamaica wow so i got to see them and we i think we saw rita marley and the whalers black uhuru you told me black uhuru i I was thinking they used to play at davidson but maybe they were there i think i saw them at davidson college but um i think i don't remember if we saw would peter tosh maybe pardon me I guess we could look it up. Um, he was there. Uh, but anyway, so I only went to see The Grateful Dead, and I did not take recording equipment. Sure Pardon me? He was there. Peter, Peter Tosh, Tosh played yeah. there. So but, no taping at, at well, the music there, festival. Well, there probably was taping. You weren't. I was not a taper okay. there. Yeah. So it was. that was a very nice, I want to say it was a three-day festival. That's cool. It was very cool. And then, was that a highlight of show, like? Do you remember them for the experience or or how the dead played? I like, remember more for the experience that I got to go to Jamaica. The Grateful Dead were literally the only reason that I went to Jamaica was to see them play at this festival. That's awesome. And then all the rest of it was a bonus. And I know you have heard this before, but on the way home. We were at the airport, Kurt and Dave and I, and I saw Billy Kreutzman walk by, and that was like hero worship a little bit, (laughs) but I didn't say anything. He looked very, very focused, 
on his thing. I think I saw Jerry walk by, or wow. I kn- I'm pretty sure I saw Jerry walk by, but here came Phil Lesh, and I saw Phil Lesh, and I walked up to him, and um, I said, nice Rolex, because he was wearing a Rolex Submariner watch, and I think he had a copy of Ulysses by James Joyce, if that's the right author for that book, in his hand. And he said, and I said, my name's Eric Ferris from Tennessee. And he said, um, did you enjoy the show? And I said, yes. And I said, I came to specifically to see you and it was awesome That's to so see cool. your band. And it was awesome. So that was my interaction with celebrity. That's awesome. That was my Jamaica story. Yeah. That was a great story. So do you want to hear the one about when I went out to Red Rocks? Yes. And I think it was 1982. It's my favorite. Yeah. And so I think it would have been around July, and I think there were three dates. July 29th is one of them, July 28th and July 27th. Okay, so that's where I was. Good shit. So I was not in college during the summer, so this was summer break. And I am in my car with my Army surplus sleeping bag and probably a Texaco credit card and I'm going across the country to go see the Grateful Dead at Red Rocks, and it's supposed to be an awesome venue. So I am on I-40, and I cross the Mississippi River in Memphis, and soon after I cross the river, I see a young man in a tie-dye t-shirt, and I say to myself, he has to be going to see the Grateful Dead in Colorado, and so... I stopped and said, are you going to see the Grateful Dead in Colorado? And he said, yes, at Red Rocks. And I said, jump in. And we only have, I don't know, a thousand miles to go. So I've never met this guy. And we talk and we visit. And at about five o'clock, he says, do you want to do acid? And I You're said, driving. <laughs> I'm driving a car. And I said, no, thank you. And then maybe a minute passes. He says, do you mind if I do? And I said, well, yeah, that would be okay. So he does. And for the next, I don't know what time that was, four or five in the afternoon, he starts kind of just bouncing around in his seat and he's as happy as he can be. And at 11 o'clock at night, I'm getting tired, and I have my army surplus sleeping bag in the back of my car, and I said, I think I need to pull over to sleep for a while. He said, well, I'll drive for you. (laughs) I said, I think I will pass on that. And so he, he did not drive, so I go to sleep. In the driver's seat. seat. I wasn't going to get out of my driver's seat. And it was, I didn't, there was never a feeling, never, never a feeling of being unsafe to be driving driving my car in the middle of the night. So as I fall asleep at 11 o'clock, he's still just kind (laughs) of bouncing in his seat and happy as he can be. And we didn't have any music going and he didn't need any, he he didn't need any music. And I woke up at five and I look over and he's just doing the same thing, just kind of bouncing in his seat a little bit. And we start driving again. And then I'm, I make it to Colorado Springs 
Pardon me? What time did you well, get in? I, I have absolutely no idea. When I got in, I was staying with a friend who lived in Colorado Springs. The, the friend that I was staying with was a good friend with my older brother. Oh, cool. But I had known him growing up. And so I stayed with him. And that's where this guy had to hitchhike from Colorado Springs north a little bit more to get to the shows in Denver. So fast forward now. So the shows in Red Rocks, maybe the maybe the most incredible place I've ever seen a show. That's cool. Uh, it was a really neat. It's a really neat I place. And you can go there even when you're not for a concert. And it's a really nice place. I think they let you wander around. That's my recollection. But anyway, so fast forward, um, probably two years later, uh, Debbie, who's my wife, and I, and maybe it was 19, maybe it was 1983 that, that maybe, right. is there a 10-183? Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. I, See if there's a 10-183 show. I think I transferred that tape. 10-8. Okay. That's amazing. Good cool. memory. Richmond well, Coliseum, 10-8. Okay. And so, Debbie and I... Feel like I, a stranger opener. Okay. <laughs> go to... And that might have been Debbie's first show. Whoa. And so, we are walking through the parking lot, and this guy goes, Eric! And I was like, Richard! <laughs> I can't remember his name at this point, because that's 40 years ago. But I was like, Richard. And God, I, that's awesome. And, uh, and Debbie's like, who's that? And I said, that's, <laughs> that's the guy I picked up on the way to Red Rocks that did acid in my car. And I said, how are you doing? He said, great. He said, I just graduated from community college and I'm going on <laughs> oh, to do such cool. and such. And, um, and so we visited for 10 minutes and Damn. I introduced him to Debbie. And I think we met his girlfriend. And then it was a great show in Richmond. That's and so I did cool. record that one, I think. Yeah, I think I... I think I've seen that tape. Yeah. That's so cool. So that was a fun, uh, that was a fun, grateful dead story. 